0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Um, I'm joined by, you may have listened to him before, I think I've had him on for one of the summer specials where we spoke about the history of Tottenham, history of the area, everything like that, because he is a man very much involved with history. It's Mr. Rich Grove, you may know him by the name of the Dalai Farmer on, uh, on Twitter. How are you doing, Rich? Hi, hi, how are you doing, Jack? It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. It's not quite the same as last time when I think we met in a pub and we were talking. We, did. we were talking over a couple of pints. That was quite nice. But it was, it was
1: was uh, That was a very enjoyable podcast, apart from the minute when the guy um, started
0: loading the glass washer and all we could hear was <laughs> clinking glasses. Yeah, And then I think we knew it was our cue to go when a load of suits came in around the lunchtime. Oh, yeah. I, think, so. I can't
1: even remember where that was. It was a nice pub, though.
0: Yeah, it was in the city somewhere. I can't remember where, but it was like, yeah, in the proper old... Dickensian heart of their city, wouldn't it? So. Yeah,
1: yeah. It reminds me of, we've been planning to do pub casts for a while, haven't we, on old London pubs. And I think, you know, now should be a really good time to revisit that idea.
0: It's true. That's true, actually. I mean, who who doesn't want to hear two <laughs> two middle-aged white men sit around and talk about do, pubs? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't they want to? I don't know. Yeah. I uh, mean, we'd be up for one of them awards within a month, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, how, how how are you keeping it, anyway, Richard? Let, let's dive straight into the Tottenham. How have you been feeling and how are you feeling now? Um,
1: I try to remain balanced and um, slightly conservative in my reactions and um, doing that has become increasingly difficult over the last few months. Um, but suddenly I feel like the clouds are beginning to part.
0: <laughs> it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was pretty anti-Conte in the summer Um, because I was kind of like, you know, he's going to come here, he's going to walk after the first transfer window because he's not going to get the players he wants, he's, you know, we've just had Mourinho, one of these kind of big, larger than life characters that digs into the players are they going to take it again, are they going to stand for this, I I, I, I don't know, but now I'm like, fucking, come on Tony, come on mate, sort us out please, mend us, make us functional again
1: yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I was very much of the of a similar opinion um, for for those reasons, and also because not another fucking Chelsea manager. <laughs> uh, you
0: know, lest like we for, forget.
1: Yeah, like for God's sake, how many times are we going to try this? Um, but then, of course, you know, uh, we had the, the underwhelming appointment that we had. And, you know, I will sort of fess up. And I think, I, you know, I made this comment to you privately a few weeks ago that you were disgusted by, that I sort of <laughs> thought, you know... Well, you know, Nuno's here now, we ought to give him a decent shout at it. And then, you know, almost as the words fell out of my mouth, it all sort of went off the rails. Um, <laughs> and he quickly proved why everybody else was right and I was wrong. <laughs> I was
0: going to say, mate, it was, it was ever on the rails? <laughs> like... Yeah, well, I mean, for a couple of weeks it thought, yeah, like I,
1: you know, I thought, to be honest with you, I didn't underestimate the fucking shambles that he walked into. Um and I thought, I don't know who is gonna do this in a month. You know, I think whoever it is, uninspiring or not, he's probably got an awful lot of complex problems to pick apart. Much like when Pochettino came in and, and the dressing room was like one half didn't talk to the other and uh you know, Adebayor was only turning up for training one day a week and all that sort of stuff. I thought that's kind of a similar situation, I wonder. Um and then
0: he just failed to deal with any of it in quite spectacular fashion, didn't he? Yeah, it was strange because I've sort of spoken about it before on the pod, but he uh, I think he disappointed me in just in the respect that Because I totally take on, on board everything you're saying there. And it's, it is it is something I deco that I don't think he's completely to blame for what's unfolded at Spurs and the sort of, you know, the, the mess that we're in um still at the moment, I would say, given that we yeah. haven't had a shot on target for, what is it, 227 minutes now?
1: Well, is it 270, is it, or something oh, like that? Jesus, sure. is it? Yeah,
0: um, I don't know. And uh, he, you know, he, he can't be solely to blame for that. But I just think it's more, like you say, it's, it's more just how defeated he looked so early on, like so, so early on into his tenure. He just seemed so... Um, I mean, you can't read too much into, like, what people... You know, people say, oh, look how moody he looks. Look at this. People just manifest their emotions in different ways. And I think we should probably, you know... It is... (laughs) It is twenty twenty one now. We should sort of start to realise that people are all different, and they do kind yeah. of they do deal and with things differently.
1: Yeah, um, not only are is everybody different, that we're all you know
0: uh, a little bit complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say completely sideswipe. Pushing that aside, I yeah. just look at him and I just thought, like, you just, I just, I don't really get the vibe that like you really, I don't know that you you you're that asked. But then I, I think you hear other stuff like as well that. I mean, whatever, we've got Conte now and it's just, this is probably what we were planning all along. But I just think when I hear things like, you know, the whole Perattici took the bigger office and put Nuno in some little side room somewhere and things, I just sort of think, uh, you can kind of see why the fella probably felt a bit kind of, you know, powerless to really do anything at the club. Um, especially yeah. because, you know, rumours that like, you know, the the players sort of, I don't know that he just he, it just seemed like he got a bit undermined by Peretici and you know I
1: think I think he was cut off at the knees before he started I think you know given the situation that he was in um he had no chance and I mean I'll say in his defense I I think he's probably a, a very competent manager I mean he certainly proved that he's able to deal with adversity during that last spell at Wolves where he lost pretty much all of his key players at one time or another But I think, you know, the the fact that the managerial appointment circus was so public and that he was so obviously quite far down the list and then he got the two-year deal. And I know, you know, obviously Conte's only come in on an 18-month with options to extend, but, you know, we're used to seeing managers get three, four, five years on a deal. Um, He comes in and gets two. We know everybody knows that they didn't want him first off, um, you know, uh, and, and it's that kind of, well, the one thing that Harry Kane did say was that he wanted the club to show ambition. And that's the one thing they haven't achieved. And you, know, you sort of think, well, I wonder how anybody else really would have coped with it. But, um, you know, that's me trying to be a bit magnanimous to him. I think um, at some times that I thought I saw... Yeah, you know, uh, what do they say the the green shoots of grow- new growth or what have you? But they were very short-lived and quite quickly got trampled on.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's been a it's been a funny one because um, we just kind of I don't know, it's just felt like stasis for the past couple of years, hasn't it? And you would you would like to think now if there's anybody out there who was available, it's going to be an Antonio Conte that is hopefully going to get a tune out of these players or finally be the man to say to the powers that be look x player x y and z are not good enough anymore they're not you know because it seems like i don't i don't want to start picking out individuals and things but it seems like there's been several players who we've all speculated over for quite some time as to how good or not they are should we be sticking them with them should we not um and i kind of feel like this is the sort of man that is finally going to be able to kind of bend the ear of somebody like Levy or at least Paratici to to clear some of the deadwood, if you like.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's he's the man in both capacities because not only, I think, do you need somebody with proven success to, to have the authority to do it, you need to have somebody that has, you know, the metaphorical bollocks for it as well, um, you know, because... Uh, Although Jose was the the big character and the big strong leader, by the time he arrived at our place, you know, for whatever reason, he was a shell of his former self in terms of uh, being able to get a tune out
0: of a squad of players. I I mean, have you seen him at Roma? It's it's imploding already.
1: I know, yeah. somebody I can't remember who it was that that tweeted about it. Uh, I think it may have been one of our mutual friends said... um, It's no. It used to be uh, them against us, and now it's just them against him all the time. And I think that sort of sums it up, doesn't it? You know, the one thing he had going for him was the ability to galvanize a squad behind him, and now he just—it's just all about him, isn't it? It's, you know, weird. It's (laughs) very
0: bizarre. It's very bizarre. And you just kind of now you just sort of think like, mate, just go and I don't know, go and manage Qatar or someone like that. You know, just do take one of those big money gigs. Just get out of the spotlight, just try and preserve whatever Some of dignity. your legacy that you can yeah because it's just it's quite embarrassing for him now isn't it you know
1: it is yeah I mean there's a bit of me that's enjoying it massively because oh, of course yeah. when he, when he signed for Roma he said that oh well. You know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I've been guilty of taking on the wrong project in the past, and you think, oh well, that's you know a bit of a dig at us there. Um, and and so this was him obviously sort of saying, well, I think that Roma is the right project, and it's still gone tits up for him, um, which I'm I'm quite enjoying, I have to admit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I mean, what are you, where are you at with content now? I mean, because I've I'm not going to lie, mate. So I've I've gotten over the initial euphoria um and i'm now suddenly in that place i was talking to I was talking to my pal phil about this the other day um just basically saying that the, the uh the the demon on my shoulder is now starting to whisper into my ear like you know this is tottenham like you know any other club any other club like if 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 like if if arsenal say a slide indoors moment we we slapped them about in the North London derby at the Emirates, and then they went on and lost a few more games, binned off Arteta and brought in Conte. In the back of your head, you'd be like, fuck's sake. They're gonna, next year, they're going to be up in the mix. You know, They've got Smith Rowe, they've got Saka, they're going to sign whoever in summer, maybe a striker. They've got a decent defence kind of forming there now. He's the sort of manager that's going to do it. But there's still that thing, and maybe it's just self-preservation, but there's that part of me as a Spurs fan that's still just like, how are we going to fuck this up? You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, recent history has showed us that we will find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, don't we? yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, where I am with him is, um, I am, I'm somebody that gives everybody a go, and and I I even as much as it left a dis- a bad taste in my mouth even at the time. I gave Jose a good uh, you know a good um, um uh, a bit of length of rope to with which to string himself up. Oh yeah say. completely same here you yeah. know and um you know I think I wrote about this for the fight in in their blogs that I um you know um had to sort of learn to abandon my own values of football and just get on with the you know get on the roller coaster and 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 I'm going to be the same with Conte and but I don't feel that um I don't have the baggage with him because although he is an ex-Chelsea manager and as I sort of said to you before we started that, you know, my initial reaction was fucking hell, we've done it again. We've gone and hired an ex-Chelsea coach. Um, He wasn't really ever Chelsea's man. You know, he was never really there long enough to to probably to catch the virus. And, um, And so I think, you know, we can give him a pass on that front. I think he's got the, 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 certainly he's got the the background. I think he's somebody of his personality is going to be the only person that can not only weed out these, um, you know, are they or aren't they good enough players, but also to be able to attract, um, the people that we need to replace them with, um, it's and interesting that,
0: isn't it? Sorry, yeah, carry on,
1: yeah, yeah. I think, I think, if nothing else, all other things being equal, I think that is a really um, a positive move, even at a really late stage in the day by the club. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of, I haven't really watched all that much of his football apart from when his teams have been playing our team. So you know, I'm going at it with an open mind and thinking, well, you know, let's see if it can get any worse. But like you say, if this, if he can't get a tune out of them, we might as well just have them all euthanised because nobody's going to be able to <laughs> send them off to the glue factory. Well, you know, you know, this is it. If they were horses, we'd have got rid of them a long time ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, the point you touched on there—that I sort of I'm rudely interrupting on was when you were saying that he's sort of the type of manager that's going to be able to attract players. And I really agree with that. It's like the second he said that, I was suddenly like, yeah, no, I really feel that. Because when we've been linked in the past few weeks with you know a few of these Syria talents, like Frank Kessie and Dusan Val- uh, Vlajevic, Vlajevic? Val- yeah, Vlajevic,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: he, he uh you, you kind of suddenly, because previously I would have thought, that nah, bollocks, like they're, they're not going to come to Tottenham. But suddenly now I'm like, well, Number one, I can probably see them coming and playing under Antonio Conte, and also yeah. number two, I doubt that the first time Conte would have had a discussion with you know people at Tottenham saying we need X, Y, and Z footballers is the budget for them isn't going to be after he signed the contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because
1: and there's there's an interesting thing, isn't it that. I mean, if we're going to give the club the benefit of some doubt and, you know, I'm not a a levy enic apologist by any stretch of the imagination, Um, you know, and I will always hold him ultimately responsible for fucking up the golden opportunity we had a couple of years ago. But um, we are kind of giving them some sort of leeway to rebuild some bridges with the footballing side of the club we're now seeing the money coming in from the show home. You know, the NFL has started. we have having the concerts, the boxing has started. So we've now got club revenue coming in. There was an interesting graphic on Twitter I saw yesterday, I think, um, about Tottenham are in a position where we can now immediately spend up to about £400 million on the playing staff before we start to come anywhere near a falling foul of financial fair play and i think that's a combined result of us not spending anything for a few years and also because we do have a naturally increasing revenue stream now and you kind of think that this is probably the first time in recent history where not only have we got a the facilities you know you know be the opportunity to pay the wages and a little bit of your recent european pedigree to bring in a big name manager like conti but actually we could probably give him the checkbook that he's going to demand now, you know,
0: it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite exciting in the sense that again, it's, it's been done in a self-sustainable fashion. I know there is often these kind of calls for, you know, Enoch to go and whatever. And like you say, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I'm on the fence really as I've gone on about plenty of times on here. Um, but when you when you kind of see what's happening with a you know somebody like Newcastle for example, because that's 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 where the money comes from, right? Like a club hour yeah. size now, club hour size doesn't get bought by someone with you know <laughs> you know good intentions, really. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, and it's not to say that you know I, I I can't you know attest for all of Joe Lewis's uh, <laughs> you know foibles, but it, yeah. it, it, he it, he um. We're just we're in a place where we're at least kind of, you know, spending, spending money that we you can kind of feel that we've generated organically, which I'm sure some people would like lower down on the rung would laugh at, but considering we've you know <clears throat> taken like a, an an eight hundred million pound loan to build a stadium, but yeah, s- yeah. still, uh, it, it, it's it's very different. It's a very different proposition to what you've seen at kind of somewhere like Newcastle or. Or at Manchester City. Um, Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, if you look at it in terms of Manchester City, like you say, we've taken an £800,
1: £900 million loan or mortgage or however they've done it to build this ground. And that's still... Is that still less than Manchester City have been spending on their squad in the last few years, you know? Mm. Um, In that sort of footballing context. I mean, yeah, it's it's a, a vast amount of obscene money, but um it's not as outlandish as possibly it would have been if they'd have done it ten years ago.
0: Yeah. What yeah. if we if we sort of look at how it's gone so far, I mean, obviously I think we've I think everyone's spoken at length about the madness of well, it's pretty much a, the perfect encapsulation of Tottenham at this time, the Vitesse game. Um But if we sort of turn it more to, because there's there's still obviously this lingering thing about no shots on target. Were you impressed with what you saw against Everton, though, bearing in mind he's had such a short amount of time in charge?
1: I I was calmer watching the Everton game than I have been at any point in the last few weeks. Um, and that, so obviously I was disappointed that we didn't win. Um, I mean, I, you know, we, the shots on target thing, I think is a little bit disingenuous because yeah, we had a couple of shots and I think, you know, one or two of them were deflected, uh, somebody, uh, was it La hit the bar? Hit um, the post, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like we weren't threatening the goal. We just obviously weren't doing it very well. But, um, I think, you know, uh, I was I was calmer in that I I sat there and and I wasn't really worried that that we were going to lose, um, which you know had it have been a Nuno game we'd have come away from there two nil down at least I think.
0: Yeah, probably. It, 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 that's a really good point that you're saying because it, it did it. It suddenly felt solid, didn't it? Again, it was, yeah. it was suddenly. Yeah. Although they 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 had that little spell of pressure right after the, was it their goal? Did they have a goal to sl- No, they didn't no, get the penalty. Penalt- it was a
1: penalty. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And then, of course, the crowd sort of woke up and got behind them a bit. And and we, you know, you sit there and think, well, this could be a bit tasty. But um, but we didn't roll over. And that was the thing. You know, yeah, it, you know, it got a bit scrappy. It got a bit fraught for a while. But, um, you know, I, I didn't, even then, I don't recall feeling like, fuck, we've had it now. Um which I think I would very much have felt had that have happened a month ago or, or even two weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean because the thing is as well, like Everton, they're not. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I think they're probably one of the only teams that can outspur Spurs, but still, they've got <laughs> they've got a decent squad now. You know, they've spent a lot of money on that team. Like they're not yeah. they're not mugs, you know. And it's it, I think it's a I would basically I would have taken a draw uh, yeah. if it had been offered to me at the start of that game. You know.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you know and. Normally, like you say, I mean, we've got a fantastic record against them. You know, I mean, we—I think they haven't really, have they? Not beaten us in, or they've only won once in sixteen league games, or something like really, that. Really, is it? Yeah. I think it sort of goes back to the time when David Moyes was in charge. Was the last time they sort of routinely took points off us, um, and so you know, it's kind of we go up there with an expectation of getting something from the game, especially within the context that they've had their own sort of shitty bit of time with, you know, Ancelotti come leaving them in, you know, in the bit of the lurch at the end of the season or, uh, you know, and all of that that sort of happened with them. Um, and obviously they've got a couple of key players that were missing from the side. We, yeah, you know, there was opportunity and we should have been capitalising on it. But in the context of the fact that we changed managers, what, four or five days before it, um, I think it was a vast improvement on all of those fronts. And I always... um I'm reminded of a, my old mate, Nick, who I used to go and see the Spurs with years ago, um, always used to sort of say to me after we'd ever had some sort of catastrophic managerial changeover or a near relegation season in the 90s that, you know, you you expect things to be better the next day, but you don't build a house from the roof down, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, and I think that always, that, in those sort of situations, I'm always reminded of that. It would have been lovely to have nicked it, especially after the penalty decision. That would have been delicious. But, you know...
0: It would, Spurs, it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it, I don't, I don't mind it. So much. I've, I've always, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Everton as well. I don't mind yeah. them so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of my mates refers to them as the Spurs of the North.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really are, though, aren't they? You know, right? mm. yeah, it's 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 pretty mad. But it's just funny, even though it's been a nil nil, and we kind of we're seeing all these shots now during the international break of Conte out train. I mean, there's that there's an almost like uh, not. Because of his insight, I don't know if you saw Jack Pitbrook of the Athletic wrote a piece um, in the week, basically talking about how Conte is coming and being quite alarmed by some of the habits of the players. And as they were listing things like having post-training sandwiches and you know, yeah, ke- yeah, yeah, ketchup all, and mayo, and he was, it's all a bit, it's all a bit one day
1: Ramos, that, isn't it? Yeah, it really is.
0: It, but it, yeah. it, you're still kind of wondering, though, know, like Jesus, like you know, I'm. <laughs> I'm, yeah right I'm not in the best Nick but at the same time like <laughs> I'm, I'm not a professional athlete and even I know like you have a sandwich every now and again as like a treat or at the end of the month when you're skint do you know what I mean yeah, but like yeah. you sort of wonder things like that like do they <laughs> what's kind of, what's been going on there you know that like eating fruit is a suggested thing for them to do you know yeah it just it does seem quite, it it makes me sort of wonder like how sort of too bob we are behind the scenes sometimes, you know, that we kind of have this shiny veneer of the stadium, the training facilities and everything, but we still just kind of haven't quite caught up yet in our thinking and in the way that things happen at Spurs, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much of it is a consequence of the sort of post-Champions League burnout that was quite well reported. Um and I know that sort of that's now what's what's that now, two and a half, three years ago, maybe longer. Um that maybe when Jose came in he saw a squad that was physically on it out on its feet and maybe started off trying to be a bit easy on them, but then that kind of became the way that it was done, you know. Um and I do read these things and, and obviously instantly when you read that everything begins to make sense in the context of us always shipping late goals, in us being second to every 50-50 ball, in us being, you know, uh, Harry Kane just looks like he can't run anymore.
0: And you think, well... Are you you just imagining him... Dipping a Cornish pasty into into <laughs> yeah. mayonnaise, right? yeah, you know, you used to hear stories of Jimmy Greaves
1: having a fag before every match. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe Harry Kane's having a pasty. So, you know, I don't know, but whatever it is, and I know it's easy to sort of read these things and read a lot of truth into them, and also to to then assign whatever uh, problem that you think the the club is having to that that
0: explanation
1: but I think it does make an awful lot of sense. It really does.
0: When you put it that way, it's it's very true as well, mate.
1: Yeah. Because you think that the one thing that was um, always spoken about, about Pochettino and about his training was that it was hard and that they had to do double running sessions and they were always training longer than they'd ever done. And, you know, players that came in that would just be shocked at how hard they had to work. And then uh, I think there was that story of Undombele because he signed in the summer, didn't he? And then he got immediately injured because um, he he was just so badly out of shape that he couldn't do the work. Um, And, you know, you sort of look at it and think, well, uh, I wonder if that's how it becomes the way things are done that, you know, perhaps these players are like, well, guys, you know, these guys are fucked. They've had it the same Sixteen players have carried this fifty-match season, um, and then you know whatever's happened afterwards in the summer, they've had to fly to Asia to play in the Skoda Cup or whatever it's called, <laughs> you know, and um, and and they're just they've just fucking had it, you know, um, and you know I think it would be easy to sort of look at that and start to put it, start putting it together and think well maybe that's why Conte will be a really good thing because the one thing that I'm hearing is that his training is akin to that. Pochettino regime of you know, you're not coming off until you've left it all on
0: the grass. You know, it's it's interesting you said that because it it does feel almost like if you're thinking about like cycles and you're thinking about kind of the, I don't know the the the, the narrative arc if you like, it, it does feel that now suddenly it's all kind of caught up with Tottenham a bit. Like you said, because I I do think cause Toby Alderweireld he he had an interview with Dan Kilpatrick not too long ago. Um, just talking about pretty much just how dead on their feet they all were after the yes. Champions League final the the real impact of that and we're also hearing that of you know I know people are digging out and I'm probably been one of them to be to hold my hands up been digging out Harry Kane a lot this season but then one of my one of my other mates I was talking to about this um was saying like well mate actually like but it's not just him is it look at look at Sterling look at Sancho look at yes, kind of yeah. Maguire look at a lot of those lads who are like big in the England team over yeah. the summer, they're all a bit fucked, other than Phil Foden and Declan Rice, you know. Yeah. So maybe it's not just came. Maybe you know the the impact of something like that is is pretty massive. Um, but but like you say as well. Now though, it's it's sort of I think Tottenham are now at that crossroads, aren't they? Where it's like we kind of had the pandemic. They could have moped a bit there. Everyone was moping. I think we were just happy to have a bit of football back. Um, um but now that it's serious again, right? It's, there's there's you know bums to be put on seats if you like there's yeah. there's a stadium that needs to be paid off there's pretty much let's be honest Champions League revenue that we need to be making to yeah. to, to to kind of kick the project on and I think probably now that's why I've, I've kind of got a I've got to applaud the sort of the board Enoch whoever it is that made the decision to kind of boot Nuno out because I think they it's decisive, you know, there wasn't any kind of, let's give him half, let's give him till Christmas to see if he can turn it around. They just, yeah. they saw it wasn't working and I think they've now realised, look, we can't, We you know, the players, are, we've, we've stuck by him for a long time. we stuck by quite a few of these players for some time and I mean, that's not, it, we're not a charity at the same time. These players have given us some magnificent performances so I, I don't want to twist it that way um, per se but still, I think, you know, the the fan base, for the most part, has stood patiently and allowed, you know, probably subpar performances from a lot of players that we can, have come to expect better from. Yeah. Um, probably on a yeah. bit of an understanding that they've had, you know, that sort of painful closing to the Pochettino era. We've gone through Mourinho. Which was a you know an ill-advised vanity project, as mm. you know many people called it at the time, and yeah, and whatever this misstep with Nuno, but I think now it just feels like it is the club saying like enough's enough, we got a we got to kick on now, we got to be serious again, and yeah, you know, whether whether Conte is just here for eighteen months and he's kind of a bit of a a shot in the arm to get things going again before we bring in a. Potter or Pochettino comes back or, or, you know, who knows?
1: Here's, I mean, this is an interesting thing, actually, that I I wanted to ask you about. Um, I feel, and I don't know whether or not this is just my exhaustion with the whole narrative of it or whether or not it is because of the the gravity and decisiveness of of appointing Conte, that probably this is the end of that Pochettino is going to come home story.
0: Choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door go to blue nile and use promo code listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more that's code listen at blue nile dot com for fifty dollars off your purchase blue nile code listen yeah it, it, it is an interesting one i mean I, I, before we'd actually signed conte um I was talking on Twitter, I think probably yeah, I always am, aren't I? Um, <laughs> to, to somebody on there and I was sort of saying that I feel like the ship has maybe sailed on that one a bit now. And it's not that, yeah. I mean, if if tomorrow it was announced that he was coming back, well, I mean, maybe not tomorrow, maybe in 18 months time it was announced he was coming back, I'd welcome him with open arms. You know, I, I love the bloke. I think he's one of the best mm. things that's ever happened to this club or probably the best thing that's ever happened to this club in my lifetime. Yeah. um and so there's a lot of you know whatever emotional connection there but if you're thinking about it in terms of like is this healthy is this the right thing to do is it is it right you know, to be pining I mean, after him i'm like maybe it's not anymore you know
1: i've i've begin to sort of think of it's becoming and i sometimes think this is quite a tottenham trait although it's not exclusively tottenham um you know a lot of other clubs do it as well um that you have this sort of messiah complex i mean spurs used to do it with players you know, if we could just get Gareth Bale to come home, if we yeah. could just get, you know, whoever it was at the time, we can get Klinsman to sign again or we can get, you know, X, Y or Z. We can get Berbatov back off Man United. Everything will be all right. Um, and, you know, quite frequently we see that in all walks of life, that sort of thing doesn't really tend to end quite as you would imagine it or hope that it would be. And I'm the same as you. And I think the funny, the funniest thing is that, most of the people that have blocked me on Twitter blocked me because I was so upset about Pochettino going and have not stopped talking about it since. But even I began to feel a bit mawkish about it. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, my take on the Nuno signing was actually that they tried to get Pochettino from PSG and that they couldn't get him, but that they thought, we're just going to put somebody competent in charge on a short-term contract and in a year, PSG will want somebody new and will get Pochettino back. And that I thought was A, why they appointed Nuno, and B, why it didn't bloody work. Because everybody knew that he was just a placeholder. And whether it was for Pochettino or Conte or another manager, you know, um, I just thought that was the whole sort of setup of that of that saga. But then at this point, when they've had to get rid of Nuno earlier than they planned, I wonder that they've gone, right, well, we're still not going to be able to get Pochettino out of PSG. Let's go back and try again for Conte. And then at the point that he signs, that sort of signals the end of that Pochettino 2.0 project, because you're no longer appointing a project manager. You're appointing somebody that's going to want to spend money on big players and just have it done.
0: Yeah, it is interesting that, isn't it? Because it is an entirely different proposition, like you're saying. Again, that's something that's not really a way I'd ever sort of dialed into. I'd just be more like, I just want to see him on the touchline again. Yeah, yeah, dad, please come home. Exactly. tell me you love me again. (laughs) But it would be horrible for it to kind of, for him to come back in it, for it to just be like the tail end of his tenure with us, you know, the kind of Brighton game, the... I mean, not so much the Bayern. The Bayern was just a bit of a freak result in a way, really. That just happens to teams every now and again. But I, yeah. I, I did find things like the Brighton game a bit more damning. Things like the that know, was a
1: really, really worrying performance
0: in particular, wasn't it? It was horrible. It was really, yeah. it was really horrible seeing them just like I don't know, just seeing him lost in that yeah. way because it was we'd be, we'd become so used to seeing him just be that kind of like. We've got Pochettino, you know. It's it's going to be all right. We 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 will finish fourth this year, minimum. You know, it's yeah. that. It was that type of thing. That's where he set the bar, and it's
1: yeah. And it's I mean, it was that Brighton performance, and also uh, was it at Burnley where he marched out and had a go at the referee at the end of the game? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, and at the time, everybody was like, "Yeah, you know, Pochettino doesn't take any shit," you know. But actually, if you look at it, you think this is not a man that's in control of what's going on around him anymore this is his Rafa benitez moment
0: yeah considering as well it's the same man who when he first took the job even though he could speak english still had his interpreter because he didn't want people to kind of twist his is what yeah. he was saying and anything like that you know j- just in the respect that he was obviously quite a calculated calculated sounds a bit negative but do you know what i mean he was he was he, he was a measured yeah a measured and measured, cautious there man. you go yeah, there you yeah, go yeah, yeah. um yeah. whereas like like you say toward the end just that kind of uh, Losing his ass, basically. Um, yeah. Was it Mike Riley? He, he
1: lost it. It might you? well have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't bloody remember now. I mean, they're all they all look the same to me. Referees, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're like they're, it's just they're
0: yeah. it's ball, ball blokes, aren't they? Really? Ball blokes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it, but it's quite funny, like you know, um, you sort of look back on it now and and you can see it really unraveling, and I think we were all so. Wrapped up in it that we just didn't want to believe that that was the case, did we?
0: No, because we were talking before before we started recording the peak behind yeah. the curtain. We were kind of you know riffing around a lot of ideas about what it is that we've kind of missed the past couple of years. Like what, we since Pochettino, since it all went. Because uh, you know, just to for anybody listening, my the point I was making to Rich is that like it's it's quite exciting following Spurs again now. Um, because it, it, the past few years have felt awful because we've been pretty shit, and my friends who aren't Tottenham fans have, will say, "Well, you've always been shit, you know. What's what's the difference?" Um, and to me, it's just it's it's felt completely numb the past few years, and it's it's it, you know I think there's there's some sort of ideas in there of like, oh, you want to see the players give it some passion and all that sort of thing, but. I'm not even sure it's that. Maybe it might be a contributing factor, but I think it's been the fact that we've been so devoid of it's felt quite chaotic to me. I think it's it's felt like we we've been a bit rudderless. Like mm. the 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 people in charge of like not really had a had a handle on it. Um and as such, then just the football we've been watching, we've just been kind of going game together. I've still been watching it, but it's just like we're not really building anything here. There's nothing really kind of coming from this. Uh, and I guess I just kind of wanted to sort of, you know, it, it's not really coming out very naturally now, mate, because we weren't in, that full, <laughs> yeah. in the full yeah. flow of what we were talking well, about we should, earlier. We should, you should just have started
1: recording when we picked up the call and then
0: edited it in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. But, but, but what what is it so much about, like... Why do we, why do we suddenly just feel good again now that now that we maybe have a manager that can not even because I don't think we're all like thinking like secretly oh we're going to win the league next year but it's just this idea of having a bit of purpose a bit of a plan I don't know I mean you know it, this is uh, this is
1: a difficult uh, uh, question to answer in a simple way because I think it it's there are many true answers that don't naturally um, uh, sort of complement one another or maybe even contradict one another. Um, you know, from a personal perspective, I think you're right in that for the first time, it looks like somebody's in bloody control. Um, and I think the other, you know, the, 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 the key thing as well is we have went through that whole thing, um, you know, emotionally and as a as a collective fan base and as a fan base that is a load of individuals with individual takes on everything, that last year at White Hart Lane and the finale and the unbeaten run and, you know, we made all of those sides that came to Tottenham look distinctly average, no matter how good they are or where they'd come from, um, you know, and we were, you know, riding high in the Champions League. You know, we we, we were starting to see that the the manifestation of the success that we've been promised for so many years, and then it really gets bookended in a really dramatic way because they bulldoze the stadium and we have to spend an extended period of time in a car park. And um, you know, I think we come back to to Tottenham to this. You know, I constantly refer to the new stadium as the show home um, because it feels a bit soulless still at the moment because not really anything has happened in it. Um, and I think there's a lot of us that kind of I mean, I don't want to speak to it for anybody else, but certainly for me and for the people that I go to games with, there's the that tendency to sort of feel like, well, what was all of this for? You know, we've we've physically and metaphorically bulldozed our own heritage for something and it hasn't happened. And it leaves you feeling sort of rudderless as a as a fan because You kind of feel like um, the club gets taken away from you, maybe in that context, that the the Tottenham that exists now physically at the end of the high road is not the same thing that existed in 2016 and 17. And that because that on-field progress didn't continue in the way that we wanted it to and then in the way that it could so easily have done you know that that let's not forget that we were a dodgy penalty away from from having a really good shout at that Champions League final so it's not as if we weren't tantalisingly close from seeing the fruits of that of that sacrifice quite quickly but we were all sort of left collectively flat and then of course you know, uh, you you start to get the grumblings that come from that, well, you know, it's a NFL ground first and a football stadium second, or, you know, it was built for Guns N' Roses and not for Tottenham Hotspur. And, there, you know, all of this kind of grumbling starts to gather force. I think it sort of plays into a collective malaise. Um, and And part of the problem with it is that because we're all now client reference numbers and we're all... Uh, legacy fans, aren't we? That's the other thing that we're now, you know, accused of being referred to as. Um, That all of those kind of little changes and that one really big concrete change um, all sort of fed into this collective inertia. And I don't think that... I think the real... the, The defining factor was that on the field, we no longer had any identity to hang on to because it went awry, because Pochettino left, because... Jose Mourinho just clearly didn't have a clue with what to do with that group of players at that time. Um, you know, and of course, COVID and the empty grounds. And, you know, um, I think we've sort of gone through like a storm of of things that would influence the way that you connect emotionally to a club. And they've all happened in a five-year period. Um, and at the same time in that five-year period, um, we've seen... Um, you know the the real sort of shocking and quite dramatic demise of us as a footballing identity Um, and I just think that we feel powerless you know quite often we feel powerless we feel the club doesn't listen to us we feel that the players don't care about us and they don't often help that Um, we don't often do ourselves any favours you know I, I like like it's a really sort of big thing because it's so bloody important to us on an individual and collective level that that you know we've had quite a kicking emotionally in the last couple of years, you know. Yeah, um, it.
0: But it is. It, it's funny what's happened there. And I. I kind of. It's only. I've only. I've just got this thought in my head because we were just talking about the the film of field in England again before we were recording and, and I want to basically sound pretentious and smarter than I actually am. Um. And I can. I can basically tap somebody who is smart <laughs> whilst you're here. But I mean, this it, kind of <laughs> like you say, this inertia in people, this need to be kind of heard, but then sort of defaulting on on stuff, you know, because we still go to the stadium, right? We're still always there. We still buy the kits. You still oh, go on then. Even like the past few years, where, like I say, I've been... I found it boring, I found it is but I still do a fucking podcast about it. I'm still there <laughs> yeah, watching yeah, yeah. every game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, what is it in us? Because I, I sort of, I think about something like, you know, like the restoration. Like we, we mm. went for a fucking civil war. We we killed the monarch and then we brought him back 10 years later. You know, is its is mm. it, is its is it that? Is it that in people that we have these emotional kind of highs that we want to say stuff, we want to express ourselves, we want to make a change, but then realise like, well, we're all quite listless and actually we just want someone in charge to tell us what to do. It's
1: a bit of buyer's remorse, yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, um I know we were speaking about this before we were recording, about why we now fill that emotional space that historically would have been directed at uh religion or the monarchy or you know, or well, well religion really, you know, was was our Our sort of collective panacea or our collective touchstone Um, and we are all quite secularized even those of us that aren't um, secular you know there are still people that are very religious and you know that's part of their life but you know on mass as a culture we're quite a secular um, sort of market driven culture now you know we have to buy the thing and feel that we're taking part in the thing and get the uh, the buy in and have the followers and have people like what we're saying. And, um, all right, mate, think... just all right, mate, I'm just sat <laughs> here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at me, you coward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, so, like, I think it's, you know, it, it, like, it's a really interesting thing. And I don't... Like you say, like, you're talking to somebody that is, you know, educated and in intelligent. I would sort of, you know, run the risk of sounding like a right pretentious arsehole if I <laughs> follow this follow this line of thought to its ultimate conclusion, which is, you know, yes, is football the modern panacea? Is it our new religion, <laughs> you know? Uh, and and I, I don't really want to give the impression that that's what I think because I think it's a whole lot more complicated than that. But I think the general rule of thumb is um, we've all historically taken part in ritual and going to football is a ritual so not all rituals are religious you know brushing your teeth in the morning is is kind of habitual ritual behaviour you know we all do these things repeatedly and in doing these things repeatedly they help us give ourselves identity and then when part of that behaviour is changed in an enormous way it's quite unsettling on a, uh, on a personal level, especially if you're so invested in it. You know, I mean, I'm not as invested as, I, as a lot of people I know in football. And yet I'm still, I've got, you know, a, a, a 18-inch tattoo of the club crest on my back, you know. Um, and if somebody that can sort of take or leave football for enormous lengths of time is willing to do that to their body, what does that tell you about the importance of it? Uh, And I do think that it has taken place uh, in our lives of some of those historic things that we did used to do, where we would be, you know, collectively more um, actively involved in national religious um, dialogues or narratives. You talk about the Reformation and and the huge things and the huge impact that had sociologically on the English and Scottish population. Well, I'm Welsh, but, you know, largely the English and Scottish populations, because, um, you know, a lot of that um, social upheaval and a lot of the things that, that fed into the conflicts that became the English civil wars um, was to do with changes to the common prayer book and to do with what people did in church on a Sunday. Um, and so, you know, you do get this sort of massive um, cultural buy-in to something, which we would now look at that as being slightly, um I don't know what the what the word is. It's a slightly strange concept to to think that changing the word in the Common Prayer Book would have the 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 net result of you know the poll tax riots, you know that sort of that sort of social upheaval uh, and 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 more. And yet today we're all very uh, siloed in the way that we live. We go home and we we watch sport you know we consume it in massive amounts in in ways that we never have done before uh, and it becomes the focus of our social media engagement the way that we talk to people we have branded clothing and we wear our symbols on our on our you know under our skin or on our jackets or you know i know people that have got it on their cars um and and so you know it becomes a massive part of culture and i think when something like that you know, number of you know, first the stadium, then the you know the the, the missed out success, and then the you know the the obvious cock ups, and then Levy doing stupid things like trying to furlough the club staff, and um, and then trying to charge the NHS for using the the empty stadium to give people COVID tests and all those kind of things, and it collectively because we're so massively invested and associated in really apparent ways, it makes us all look fucking stupid. And it makes us all look like we're part of the scam. Um, And sometimes I think it reminds us all that we are just legacy fans or client reference numbers. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's a massive thing to unpack, but, you know, all of the stuff plays into that. And I think the net result is that, you know, we see our talisman being a bit meh on the field and it's the final fucking straw. And I'm going to write a email to his brother and then share screenshots of it all over my Facebook page or whatever it is. You know, um, it makes
0: us act in really weird ways. Yeah, neglecting the fact the bloke's probably given us some of the best memories of our lifetime as Tottenham supporters over the past few years. Well, right? do you
1: know what I mean? You know, I always liken it to that, um, you know... We- Under Harry Redknapp, Tottenham were frequently everybody's second favourite team, weren't they? Everybody I used to bump into, oh, I love watching Tottenham play. Oh, I love Tottenham, you know, they play, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then sort of Pochettino and Kane and all that came along and we started routinely beating everybody. And then everybody suddenly decided that they didn't like us at all, actually, after all. And that, you know, our striker was a fat lip mong and, you know, and all those sort of things that get aimed at us. And you think, well, we must be doing something
0: right then because we're not universally loved anymore. That's exactly, I do wonder as well, though, if that's part of the kind of, because we can obviously like cling on to many of the sort of negative things that have happened, you know, be it, I mean, some people would say it's a positive, to be fair, many people would. I don't think it's really a negative or positive thing, actually, to be fair, like the bulldozing the old stadium and building a new one. It's just a sign of progress, isn't it? It's one of those things that makes us all feel uncomfortable. Um, But there are other things as well, though, in terms of like, you know, yeah, the furloughing and stuff like that, but... I do wonder if like part of the kind of the identity crisis of Tottenham for the past few years as well has suddenly been like, we are a big club now. And it's weird for the first time ever, like, you know, yeah. we, we've been able to hire, because the, the end of that journey coming, transitioning Tottenham from a middle of the road team, really. I mean, we, I don't know, it, it's it's difficult again. Joel started, I think he started that kind of journey yeah. to where we yeah. are. Redknapp was a big leap forward. And then the next one along from that was Pochettino where it was really kind of that stepping from the old ground into the new ground. But it wasn't just that, you know, it it was where we were on the pitch as well. We didn't just build the big stadium and we were Tottenham of the kind of mid-2000s, you know. we, we, I think we we all kind of agree that Pochettino kind of probably took us to a place that was, you know... uh, it was a bit icarus getting too close to the sun, I think. I think I don't think the club was quite ready to get to the point that we did get to and have the expectations set at the kind of level that Pochettino did it, but but he did. Um and I think that's in part what's led to kind of I would say a sort of feeling of a sort of disenfranchisement, really, in a way. Because I, I I often kind of think like, you know, I sort of want to default into being like, ah, same old Tottenham, you know, we're bollocks. But I sort of think, well, in the back of my mind, I'm like, we're not though, really. And like, even when like, you know, some of my sort of Arsenal or Chelsea fan mates will be like, nah, you're crap though, aren't you? And I'll sort of be like, well, not really. But we're, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're actually not though really anymore, are we lads? And you kind of know it, but you haven't won anything. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, not yet. But we're still, we're still beating you a lot now. (laughs) We never used to, you know? yeah
1: yeah well this is it i mean it's a very you know the importance of trophies and all that is a really interesting thing as well because obviously that is the one piece of the jigsaw that's missing and it is becoming a bit of a, a thing you know um there was um what's that, that that american team that didn't was it was it a baseball team or something that didn't win anything for like 50 years and then you know they it, it became like this 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 defining aspect of this of this this uh club or franchise or whatever you'd call it um you know and 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 suddenly them sort of you know getting that monkey off the back became uh, it became the stuff that people made films about uh and and I think you know there's the danger is that Tottenham are, 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 are swimming around the edge of those waters you know quite closely um but nevertheless I've seen us win trophies and um, I've also, you sort of refer to Yol back there. I mean, I spoke about it earlier this week because I, it's seventeen years this week that we appointed Yol as manager. Really? Yeah. Uh, and and my happiest time as a Tottenham fan has been, uh, including the Pochettino era. My happiest time as a Tottenham fan was watching Martin Yol's Tottenham. I fucking adore Martin Yol. Like he is just my my. I always felt really like I was cheating on Martin Yole when I sang Pochettino's name. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> Well, he's, so,
0: he's granddad, isn't he? That's yeah, it. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's I idea. adored
1: him. I mean, to the extent that um, I didn't go to Tottenham for... I mean, I've been going to Tottenham since the late 80s. Um, and so I've got a few years and a lot of miles under my belt travelling around the country and and back and forth to London Um, because for those that don't know, I don't live in London and never have I've always lived in the Midlands or the North so, um, you know, I've never been close to but I've always gone to the games apart from when he sacked Martin Yole I was so incensed that I didn't go I said, that's it, I'm not giving that club a penny of my money Until I hear Daniel Levy apologise for the way that he treated Martin Yole. Like, that was ever going to fucking happen. (laughs) But I had eight years, seven years that I didn't go to Tottenham. Really? Because of it, yeah. And the only reason that I started going again was that I read an interview. It might actually have been Dan Kilpatrick when he spoke to Martin Yole for the old Tottenham Way podcast. Um, They did an interview with him. Um, and uh, I seem to remember they had to um, uh, erase half of the interview because he didn't realise he was being recorded. <laughs> yeah, that's, they went yeah. down.
0: I think Tom said it looked like you was about to knock him out or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
1: there was something like that. But I think I think it was that interview that he said that you know. Um, that Levy had apologised to him afterwards and that they'd become good friends and that he'd actually really looked after his family afterwards and, you know, that, that he'd kind of done the right thing by him privately, if not publicly. And at that point, I was like, all right, OK, that'll do because I really miss it, so I'm going yeah. back now, you know. Um, but for a long time, I didn't go. And so I missed all of the Red Nap years. I never saw Gareth Bale play in the flesh, oh. Um I mean, I used to watch it in the pub and that, but, you know, my thing was, I am not giving that club a penny of my money. Um, and, and so I I had to do all that by afar, from afar. But the point that I was I wanted to make was the last time we did lift a trophy under Wande Ramos, and it was effectively Martin Yorl's team that did it, um, it meant absolutely fucking nothing to me because I just thought, fuck Wande Ramos, fuck Daniel Levy, fuck the lot of them. I don't care what they do. Um, and, you know... I I watched the game, I watched the final, you know, I jumped up and down and drank beer and had a hangover the next day, I actually woke up in my car, um, you know, because I'd slept in the, in the car because I had somehow managed to lock myself out of everywhere else. So, you know, it's not like I wasn't taking part in it, but um, it meant nothing to me. And so I sort of look at the importance of... When people say to me, yeah, but you haven't won any trophies, and I say, yeah, but sometimes when you do win the trophies, the cost of winning the trophy is greater than the actual success itself to me personally, because that league club cup means nothing to me. I always, I always forget that we've won
0: it. It's funny that because I, I, I kind of felt that I wasn't particularly that asked that we lost to city. Um, Last year in that League Cup final, because like you say, it just felt to me like this is just Mourinho taking Potcher's team and he's going to be the one that's going to win a fucking cup with him. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as I would have liked to have won it, um, I mean, there, it's interesting because I sometimes, you know, if I'm having a long drive on the motorway and I'm thinking about these things, because like you were saying earlier, you know, football takes up an enormous part of our conscious and subconscious time. Oh, you know, well, would, would we have beat Man City if they'd have kept Jose on for an extra week, you know? Um, and there's a bit of me that sort of thinks, well, no, we wouldn't have beaten Man City in that final because it was already falling apart. That's why they sacked him. But um, as much as a bit of me sort of would have liked to have seen whether or not that might have happened. You are right. It would have been another one of those instances like, oh, well, you know. The guy that should have done it didn't do it, and the guy that did do it shouldn't have been there to do it in the first place. You know.
0: Yeah, I've got. I've got to say, I I was pretty buzzing about beating Chelsea in the uh, in the final of that other League Cup. Like I, I did. I did love Martinell, but you know, what, mate, that was the that's the second the second trophy I can remember Tottenham winning in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Which is, it was.
1: The two, the two that we did previous to that, I went to both of the finals: the ninety one FA Cup final and the ninety nine League Cup final. So, um, it was the first trophy of my. Um, so I was twelve when we won the FA Cup, um, and so the 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 Leicester final in ninety nine was the the first one that I went to as a, as an adult. So it was the first. Um, time we won a trophy that I hadn't been there to see it I didn't go to the to the. Was it 2001 or 2002 2001 wasn't it we lost to Blackburn I think um, so yeah
0: Mark Hughes put on a spectacular didn't he in the in yeah the, like, yeah um, dirty bastard
1: yeah so um, I, I I'd seen us lift a cup that was the first time I'd not seen us lift a cup in person since I'd been a child you know and um, and But I just... I mean, it, that whole sort of era, you know, I just... It, I You know, Yol went, Ramos came in, we won that cup, and then Keenan Berbatov left, and, you know, it all felt, you know, like like we're breaking it up for scrap now the club's sort of you know it's come to the end of its life like we'll sell the good china off and um you know we'll we'll sell the engine for parts uh you might as well do what you like with it um you know and then we ended up in that situation where we went into a season without a striker or is it Fraser Campbell we had on loan yeah you know um and and all of that and and I just I, I felt really really disengaged with it and there was a bit of this kind of Mourinho and immediate post-Mourinho era that I felt kind of similar.
0: It's funny though, isn't it? Just Even just dissecting this now, like the, the cycles that you do still go through. Because I remember, because like you say, the, the thing that was so pointed about Yol for me was like, you know, because I can't remember, I don't know how fucking old I was when Yol came in, probably 14 or 15 or so. Mm. But for, for the majority of that time before that point, Spurs had just, you know, I would you know i i just sort of, i supported spurs because my dad supported spurs and you know i i knew that we'd won the fa cup when i was you know 6 years old but yeah. I, I don't really remember that at all um i think i remember my dad being quite happy about it but that's about it <laughs> and yeah. uh you know it, 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 we were just always we were crap you know we were oh, yeah. we were a crap team and i, I we were- but you sort of enjoyed that it wasn't even one of those things where i didn't even even as a kid i wasn't sort of secretly in the back of my mind thinking one day we're going to go and be like manchester united are and win a lot and everything you know i was sort of reconciled myself with the fact that we were pretty turd but then suddenly martin Yole came along and it was just like oh, do you know what? Like, thing, things can actually change. Things you know? can be different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you can actually be decent. And I think this is why it's, you know... I don't know. Yeah. I, like, I think I think uh, just to to steal, basically, I think it was like Nathan on, on the extra interest sort of saying, like, you know, people a lot of time, like, we can go on about, like, good football, bad football, so on and so forth. But ultimately, like, people are just happy when teams win, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and that's, yeah, yeah. I think when your team's winning games and you know, or at least looks like it's playing with some purpose, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's just not that deep, is it?
1: <laughs> no, no. Well, this is it. You know, sometimes it's being able to walk into work on a Monday morning and know that the guys that you sit with aren't going to laugh at you. Yeah, and you, you know,
0: you, you, you could give them the fucking two fingers. It's a bit. Once, of, you know? It's a bit of self-preservation,
1: isn't it? Yeah. You know? But I mean, I think me, this is the weird thing: is that me being that few years older than you, I grew up watching hoddle and waddle, and our, and the last years of our dealers and you know, and 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 when I was a very young kid, I was aware that we'd we'd you know we'd won the two FA Cups running, and then we went and won the UEFA Cup, and and so we won the 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 FA Cup. I mean, obviously, my my first game of football, strangely enough, that I ever went to was at Coventry City. Immediately after they beat us in the FA Cup, oh, so hell. so it was the first league game of the following season. We started that year away at Coventry, and I live just up the road from Coventry, and so you know it was like you know my family, the the, the my elders, my uncles were like, right, we, well the lad's old enough now. Um, and so we went and, you know, took a bit of loose change and paid at the turnstiles and I went and watched Tottenham lose at Coventry and listened to them singing about the FA Cup final for 90 minutes. And um, <laughs> and that's how it started. But, but the thing was, is that because I'd had that sort of earlier... Um, uh, embedded knowledge in my kind of formation as a foot, as a child of football fan that Spurs were a, a, a cup-winning side and we'd come, you know, quite close to winning the league as well. That sort of 1985-86 or 86-87, we were, you know, really quite close to the top of the the, the, the first division table for huge parts of that season. That When we had that spell in the 90s, when we were just dog shit year on year, in my mind, it was always... Well, this is just um, not the norm. This is happening because of Irving Scholar and what he's done. This it, Tottenham are a great club. Everybody knows Tottenham are a great club, because I know Tottenham are a great club, because we've won all these Cups. And um, at the time, we'd still won more FA Cups than anybody else, and European football wasn't so important, because we'd only just come out of the European ban in the early 90s, so... You know, although the, the, the Champions League was a new thing and it well it was just the cup that Man United played in. Um basically, uh, yeah. Basically, you know, so and it but it was when Martin Yol turned up, he was the first other person that said, No, Tottenham are a great club. And he did an interview with the BBC immediately after him being appointed that I'll never really forget, and although I can't remember it word for word now. You know, that he sort of said, look, this is Tottenham. I remember when I played in England as a player, you know, Tottenham Hotspur was a name that made the hair stand up on the back of your neck, you know. I remember sitting there listening to that and thinking, fuck, this guy gets it. He knows, you know. And then, of course, he went out the next week and lost 5-4 to Arsenal. But it's probably one of the most entertaining London derbies I've ever seen, you know. Um and I just loved it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. And, you know, I will always maintain that they bulleted him too quickly. It was,
0: yeah, I don't know. It was
1: <laughs> it was horrible,
0: really, wasn't it? Because he, he was just like, he was proto-Poch, wasn't he, yeah. really?
1: Yeah, yeah, And, I mean, you know, we died on his glass over this and rose-tinted glasses. You know, we weren't the sort of Pochettino all-conquering side under him. You know, I mean, we were we came close to champions league football he did give us top 6 finishes
0: you know we were back he, in he the... was he was substitute averse though wasn't he that's was one thing yeah, i still remember yeah. about old mark like he used to wind me up
1: <laughs> yeah and then when he did make substitutions
0: we'd always end up losing you know? <laughs> but, anyway. but but he nearly chinned Arsene winger on the sideline so you know
1: yeah i mean get a get a statue of the fella that's what i say <laughs> you know <laughs> We can we can walk along the the concourse to the show home and polish his shiny head in bronze before every game. That could be our new ritual. <laughs> I like the sound of that, mate. I like
0: the sound of that. Well, I've, I've kept you for quite some time, mate. So I think that seems that feels like quite a nice place to to end things. There. Um, I hope you've enjoyed coming back on, mate. It's been good to chat to you. It always is actually. Yeah,
1: honest. it's lovely. I mean, I sort of apologise to your listeners having to listen to me waffle on about. So, you know, social phenomena and all that kind no, of stuff No, not at all, mate. I've, I'd, I'd actually
0: be quite up for, like I say, starting a, a segue side pod with you where we can sort of just pretend it's about football and then just I can sort of come up with nebulous, weird thoughts that are kind of poorly formed and then you can just try and structure them in some way, which is well I mean, that's what this podcast has been.
1: That's basically my job, Jack. I work in academia now, so, you know, that's what we do all day, every day. Great. You know, nice <laughs> for, formulate formulate nebulous ideas into something that somebody will pay for and, and I'll tell you what, it happens.
0: <laughs> if if you have enjoyed it, like let us know, you know, maybe maybe we will do this. Maybe we'll start off a, a, a new weird podcast. Maybe we'll put it behind a Patreon or something like that. That's what everyone does nowadays, isn't it? That's uh, well, yeah. That's, that's the yeah. popular thing. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh give uh, give Rich a follow on Twitter. What's your what is your actual at mate on Twitter? I right? am
1: at at Grove Digger. Or Grove underscore underscore Digger. That is my at. Um, or if you search for me by my screen name, screen name, it is um, I am the Doctor Dalai Farmer.
0: There you go. Rich is always he's very good for conversation, and as he said, he he, he writes a lot of pieces as well, puts them up on the fighting cock and everything like that. So he's a yeah, he's a good man. Give him a, give him a Give him a follow and uh, have a chat to him about Tottenham, but don't send him uh, abuse for wanting to keep Nuno in the job.
1: Uh, <laughs> hey, listen! By the end of it, I was all on board with getting rid of him.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it re- revising history now. I You're see down how it's straight. It is. Yeah, yeah. It. Listen, hypocrisy is
1: no bad thing in my house. I tell you. <laughs>